Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, back with you for another episode with my man. Lucas Kaser. Today we are breaking down the later game slates that includes Thursday night football, the later slates on Sunday, Sunday night football, and Monday night football. We had to switch up the schedule once again this week. Bobby Lamarco going to be on Thursday. Lucas, today we're just swapping you around a little bit. Lucas, how are you doing today, man? You ready for week 11? I'm ready to go for week 11, almost to the fantasy playoffs. Um, so if you're, if you're locked into the playoffs, we'll probably have a playoff episode uh, primer episode sometime here soon um, but definitely look ahead to defenses with easy matchups etc but handcuffs that type of thing uh, we'll talk more about it probably next week or something um, but just keep that in mind and the Patriots might be back right in time for Edelman to to slide into all my lineups in the playoffs to lead me to a championship but uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes yikes that's a conversation for another day Let's start with the Thursday night football game, man. Right off the bat, you know how we do this. We've been doing it for 10 weeks. If uh, anybody has questions, of course, you can hit us up on Instagram or Twitter. Of course, Bobby LaMarco will be on tomorrow, as I mentioned, to break down the early slate. Chris Benavidi is coming on Friday for the TCK Listener League recap and preview. And Lucas here to drop in on the late games. All right, man, let's start with the big one. Honestly, I think the game of the week this week is going to be the first one that we see. On Thursday Night Football here, we have the Arizona Cardinals coming off a thrilling win from the Buffalo Bills on the uh, the Hale Murray, if you will, uh, to New Hopkins just minutes after Stephon Diggs potentially caught the game-winning touchdown for the Bills. But, of course, the Cardinals get it done last second as time expires. They're going up to Seattle to face the Seattle Seahawks, who – is it fair to say that they've been reeling a little bit as of late? Tyler Lockett banged up now. Hopefully they can get Chris Carson back, but it looks like on a short week, Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde might be out another week. So is it going to be Alex Collins? Is it going to be DJ Dallas? Is DK Metcalf going to be able to, obviously he can handle the number one role, but I think a lot of his success this year has been because Tyler Lockett also draws top coverage or dual coverage, allowing DK Metcalf to be out. So if Tyler Lockett is going to miss time, uh, is DK Metcalf going to be able to, you know, dominate Patrick Peterson and uh, get over the top there with Buda Baker, assuming he's healthy as well. And on the Arizona side, they have been really hitting all cylinders. That starts with Kyler Murray, who has been the uh, a top six quarterback every single week this season, except for week four at Carolina. The last three weeks, he's been number two against Seattle, number three against Miami, number one, or number one against Miami, number two against Buffalo. He gets Seattle again, but this time in Seattle. Kenyon Drake and um, Edmonds splitting the backfield there, and then do you feel comfortable with any of these wide receivers outside of New Hopkins? So obviously, huge game in the NFC West for first place. The Cardinals currently in first, and uh, for fantasy purposes, 
really everybody in this game except for the tight ends are in play here. Lucas, take it away. Yeah, I mean, I think we we saw Seattle come down to earth, I guess is the way to say it last week. Because I was watching the game and it was, to be honest, it kind of just came down to Russ's kind of, I'm going to say dumb decisions. I know the one pick he threw it like people were watched the game. He threw it like across the field. He had a, he had a, we could run for a first down about in the red zone. He could, he threw a ball across the field, kind of like back shoulder and threw an interception, kind of a pivotal. Uh, I think it was in the second quarter. They were driving to go take the lead. But basically I think what this entails for this game is can Seattle ba- bounce back. And I think that's going to come down to, can they get Metcalf the ball? Um, he should have Pat Pete sort of shadowing him. And I know he's not the level of Jalen Ramsey, but if Pat Pete is taking notes from last week, he knows that Metcalf is stoppable. Um, so we'll kind of have to see how that plays out. I, I, I want to say that he can't get shut down again, but watching the game last week, he, well, he wasn't even close to open any part of the game. And I don't know if that was due to Ramsey, due to game plan, uh, but we'll see this week. Yeah, I mean, you start basically everyone you've been starting all year. The running backs get a little dicey. I think it's Collins now, I think, for the Seattle Seahawks. He came out and started right away. Uh, the, his first week available with the new playbook. Um they basically said he wasn't going to play last week. Like he wasn't available. And then he comes out this week and takes the lead for the touches um, and just kind of plays all the snaps. So if you need a spot start in the flex or with all these quarterback injuries in the super flex, you might have to play a running back this week because um, there's a couple of buys plus some injuries, which we'll probably talk about too. You might have to play a receiver running back in your super flex. So that might be an option. I'm still going to go out and say you start Edmonds and Drake because I, what we saw last week was the split that I think people were hoping was going to happen all year for Edmonds, um, that there was kind of be kind of more of a 60, 40, cause it was pretty 60, 40 in favor of Drake. But I think people were, were kind of envisioning this 40% split for Edmonds all year. And I think we saw it come to fruition against the bills defense who has been below average. And then now they're playing a defense that is the absolute worst in the league. So I'd say play both if possible. And Christian Kirk is one name I know on the, uh, the live stream last week with Bobby, he was kind of talking about this shadow coverage for Ramsey or not for uh, Trey White on Hopkins. That, that doesn't directly return over to Seattle because they don't really have anyone to play shadow coverage on Hopkins, but they still should be focusing their attention on him. So Kirk should have a fine game, I think, um, on Thursday. Drake did have a bulk of the touches. So eight carries for 56 yards. Three receptions and 21 yards for Chase Edmonds last week, but 16 carries for 100 yards for Kenyon Drake and just that one catch. But it looks like he's going to be uh, the, you know, he's going to be the starter in the lead back. But we know that Chase Edmonds can do a lot with a little uh, in that offense. And against Seattle, should be a high-scoring game both ways. Both uh, Kyler Murray and um, Russell Wilson are automatic starts, obviously as top three quarterbacks, but uh, arguably the top two quarterbacks right now in fantasy football. But um, they both had career days uh, and uh, certainly, you know, season highs against each other last uh, time they played just a few weeks ago. So that's going to be uh, it's going to be real interesting. And I do like Christian Kirk as well uh, getting loose. Man, Jamal Adams has made a huge difference for this defense, but they are still uh, giving up the most fantasy points to wide receivers and the second most to quarterbacks. So it looks like uh, Kyler Murray and New Hopkins are going to be just fine once again this week. So battle for NFC. West coming down in Seattle, six and three Cardinals, six and three Seattle Seahawks. All right, let's get into the Miami Dolphins and your Denver Broncos. Miami comes in on fire with Tua Tungabailoa, six and three all of a sudden. 
and the Broncos reeling with a hurt quarterback at three and six. Tua has been awesome. First question right off the bat, Lucas, is Tua startable in single quarterback leagues? What are you going to do with this backfield? They released Jordan Howard, but Salvin Ahmed is the starter there. Looks real good in 20 touches a game. Devontae Parker uh, seems to be an auto start, I suppose, uh, with this work. And Mike Kosicki making a little bit of a play for himself coming back in. Do you feel good about Jakeem Grant? Caught a touchdown last week, uh, season high in targets. Then on the Broncos side, what are we going to do here? If Drew Locke is out for a significant amount of time, what do we do with this offense? And I guess it just comes down to the same questions. How do you feel about the backfield? How do you feel about this receiving core? And what is the deal with Noah Fant getting plenty of targets but can't actually connect? Yeah, I mean, the Broncos just flat out suck. I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, I have never sweat through a bet so hard on Drew Locke's completions, figuring he would throw 43 completions. I feel like, or sorry, 43 attempts. You'd think he'd be able to hit 23 completions, but he hit 23 right on the dot. And it was the most stressful um, watch of, it was just bad. It was terrible. I don't, I don't know the reasoning. It's kind of this whole Patriots thing. Like, cause like Locke has games where he look good, looks good and the offense clicks. And then he has these games where the, like, he just makes dumb throws. And I think it's, it's hurting Fant and Judy. But I feel like it's the play calling too that's also not getting in the ball. But I think I I don't want to say that I don't think there's a huge drop off from Brett Ripon to Drew Locke. And I think that's just the truth kind of at this point. So for fantasy value, I think if Ripon is starting because Locke is bru- I think they said bruised ribs maybe or something along those lines to where like he's he's week to week kind of in that ballpark. Um I think you play Judy, I think you play Fant. I honestly would say sit Gordon if you can. I know it's a tough statement, but like they, there's just nothing generating on offense to where you'd want to even play a guy like Gordon. Um, if all, like if you, he's like a flex, I think at best. So if you can pivot, um, definitely do that to a better play. On the Miami side, I, I mean, I think due to Locke being injured, maybe Teddy B being, being injured, maybe Drew Brees, um, you don't get the Winston bid. Plus the bye weeks, you might have to play him this week in Superflex probably for sure. But I don't really know if he's there yet. I think this defense is carrying this team, and I, they're just trying to kind of manage the game, uh, which which they should be, right? They're, they're, they're the first time they're 6-3 and three probably, and I don't even want to guess how long, a long time for the Miami Dolphins here. Um, so I think if you have to due to injuries and bye weeks, yes. But if he's like a – I don't know, a low end QB too, just because they're not really trying to throw the ball a lot, especially without Preston Williams. Um, I think Jakeem Grant and Devontae Parker aren't going to be enough to support fantasy value. Um, that being said, for starting these pass catchers, basically none of the tight ends are startable, even though all of them play, all of them seem to do good. They're just not really startable. And I think Parker, I don't really know if I'd mess with Jakeem Grant. I think Parker, you just got to play him just because he's the main guy. But even that being said, he's not seeing a ton of targets or really production at all right now. Um, so just a little like on the fence with this matchup. So I would say start Judy and Fant and Parker, and then maybe if you have to work in Gordon or uh, uh, Ahmed or Ahmed, you could um, try and mess with it. I I think that like, I think the Ahmed thing, I think this is basically just what happened with Gaskin at the beginning of the year. Like they dropped Jordan Howard. So like it's him, Patrick Laird, who hasn't been used much and Malcolm Perry, who's kind of the utility. So I think Ahmed, uh, if he hasn't been picked up yet, definitely go. He should be the number one priority, I think, this week, especially with kind of the uncertainty of – there's not really been any news on Gaskin and kind of the uncertainty of the running back position this year. 
And he's getting plenty of work while he's in there. We've seen that the the Dolphins, as of the last handful of weeks, really want to ride the run game and play defense. And I was going to mention, Lucas, uh, you know, we don't talk a lot about DSTs and fantasy football in general. But here on this podcast, I like to give a shout out to the DSTs and or the kickers uh, when we have an opportunity to do so. And I feel like this is as good a time as any to find a streaming defense that maybe not a lot of people thought about preseason or have been thinking about in general, but can look forward to pick up off your waivers and maybe ride to the playoffs. That's the Miami Dolphins, man. They have been playing very, very good. They have a nice schedule coming up starting this week. Unfortunately, your Broncos are extremely beat up and, you know, Ripon has been okay, but you know, getting that, you know, turnover prone. They have nice special teams as well. And uh, they slow the ball down on offense. So there's not a lot of opportunity for opposing offenses anyway, but the Miami defense is, uh, has all of a sudden become kind of a top five DST for fantasy now. Yeah. And I think, I mean, this goes back to like, when we talked about, I think it was, it would have been like free agency. And I kind of like mentioned how like the dolphins are in a perfect spot to be long-term contenders because they've literally done everything right on the defensive end. Like they've, they got another elite corner and they're just building this front seven with a bunch of veterans mixed in with their already kind of young upcoming players. And I think it's finally, I think it was a year too early from like what I thought, but it's finally like showing kind of the, the backbone of this team is going to run through that front seven, which is what most, most good defenses do. I agree. And per our last Monday episode, which is our 300th episode we did with Josh and Chris of the commission FFP, we broke down our true strength of schedule formatting that we've been creating this entire season based off of uh, opposing um, scores from, from the week and, and the points per position for every team. But going off of that spreadsheet, the Miami dolphins are kind of middle of the pack as an overall DST right now for fantasy purposes. However, they are, uh, they are one of the top 10 worst matchups for opposing quarterbacks and tight ends. So it's a bummer for Noah Fant and, of course, Brett Rippon as well. But they're um, a top 10 favorable matchup for running backs and wide receivers as of right now. I think that, you know, this is based off of the entire season. So I think it's actually trending uh, to where the Dolphins are going to let up fewer and fewer points to all positions as they get better and healthy. But that secondary is legit, man. And uh, with that offense being able to move the ball as well, too, is playing very well. So I like this DST quite a bit. And unfortunately, don't have the best uh, don't have the best wishes for your Broncos this coming week. No. All right, let's move on to the New York Football Jets, fresh off a bye. They've had two weeks to try to figure out how to not let Justin Herbert throw at least three touchdowns. I don't think that happens. Uh, but the Chargers refuse to win ball games. I saw a stat today that the only two teams in the NFL who have not lost a game this year by more than seven points, the Pittsburgh Steelers who are nine and zero and undefeated. And of course, haven't lost any games, but also the LA chargers have lost seven games this year, but none of them by more than seven points, which is absolutely incredible. Justin Herbert is the truth of course, but they just can't get the W's. I think they get a big win here uh, at home this week on the jet side, man, same conversation per week. Are any of the receivers healthy enough for you to trust? If it's Flacco, you were kind of joking before we recorded that you might have to roll with him in the listener league in Superflex because your quarterbacks are hurt. So regardless of who the quarterback is for the Jets, or you feel comfortable with them in Superflex, therefore any of the wide receivers. And in the running game, do we trust uh, LaMichael Pirine at this point? Getting work, but do we trust the Jets' overall offense for fantasy? 
And then on the other side, I mean, you, you, you start your studs. They're not winning a lot of NFL games, but the Chargers are just fine for fantasy football. Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, automatic. Do we keep rolling out? Kalen Balage, Joshua Kelly. Um, are we feeling that Hunter Henry could be a plus matchup this week? He's a tight end, so you pretty much have to fire him up. Mike Williams, can you start him in a plus matchup here? Um, really not much to talk about on the Jets side, but for the Chargers, it's really, you know, start Allen and Herbert and then question marks all around. Yeah, I think you um, mentioned the Chargers, like, perfectly. I don't think there's any, like, room to really even, like, exercise other options. I think Jalen Guyton's one name just in Dynasty Leagues to keep an eye on. Um, he's been getting targets, uh, but he's not going to have any value, I don't think, unless there's an injury. Uh, he is one guy. Side, I think is like oh, – yeah. Oh, Jalen Guyton, I just want to mention really quick here. If you play in a league, uh, my home league that I've been in for 15 years, we implemented early on bonus bonus points for long touchdowns. So some leagues have, let's say, four extra points for a 40-yard touchdown, five extra points for a 50-yard touchdown, that kind of a thing. Jalen Guyton is the type of receiver like a Tyreek Hill or, or Deshaun Jackson where very, very boom or bust. He may only have two receptions, but he might go – two for 95 with a, you know, 70 yard touchdown. So if you're in one of those bonus leagues, I think a guy like that gets a little bit more of a look. Um, so just wanted to mention, I, I do think he's worth a, worth a peak, but not very consistent kind of like MBS, but we, we see Jalen Guyton a couple of times this year, you know, take a 60, 70 yard bomb to the house. And Justin Herbert is uh, more than likely throwing four or five of those attempts per game. So didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I want to kind of just give a nod to those bonus leagues that he would be a great guy to pick up in those. For sure. Yeah. I definitely think that that's, um, yeah, no, he's, he's a good prospect. I think so that's why I've been kind of intrigued by him and he's finally getting to play, which is nice to see. Um, yeah. I think the jet side, like, obviously you're, not going to want to play the Jets, but I think if there's a week to do it, I think it's going to be this week, right? Like, I think, like, the only reason I might play Flacco, kind of a lot of people is because I have Locke and I have Bridgewater and I have Breeze, all these guys were, and then I don't have a ton of fab because in that league I had Dak too, so I threw it all on Andy Dalton thinking, like, oh, he's going to be fine. So you might have to pick up Joe Flacco as your quarterback this week, and I mean, it's not like you're expecting much, but he might just have to do. Uh, I think Perriman is definitely startable. We've seen the last couple, especially with Flacco against the Patriots, the usage there, I think Crowder is always startable. Um, you're just playing him for for that. I think Mims is got to keep an eye on. I don't know if he's startable, but like he's slowly turning into being a legit like wide receiver one that I think people thought he was going to be. Um, so you might have to play him in your dynasty leagues and whatnot. But I think he's a name to keep an eye on uh, for next week when it comes around, just because he is getting the work and he is looking really good on the field. Um, so not necessarily like avoid at all costs like usual because I think this is going to be a week where the Chargers defense hasn't stopped anybody so like they're not going to stop the Jets to some extent which might give a little bit of fantasy value if you are in a pinch this week I agree I like the Chargers a lot not really excited about the Jets you know regardless just because of the Jets but look they're coming off of a bye um <laughs> Anything can happen, and the Chargers defense, unfortunately, has not been amazing. But, again, if you're streaming DSTs, the Chargers is probably available. And if nothing else, they got a nice uh, nice front seven and a decent secondary when healthy, and I think they'll be okay versus the Jets at home. All right, man, let's get into the Green Bay Packers and Indianapolis Colts. Green Bay coming in at 7-2, and two, pacing the NFC, and the Colts coming in at 6-3 and three with a big win last weekend. 
the Packers have just been rolling on, man. Um, it's been the Devontae Adams show all season long. Last week, though, uh, it looked like you know MBS caught the caught the deep bomb and led the led the team in receiving yards. But MBS um, is not reliable, as I just mentioned with Jalen Guyton. So another thing to mention with that wide receiver core with MBS, uh, I've, I've had enough. Of, a number of people this week asking if they should drop MVS to pick up somebody else on waivers, if they should try to trade them, whatever. And I've had mixed feelings because Alan Lazard, uh, your boy from Iowa state has been activated from the seven week IR. So he will be coming back. Now I don't know who's going to be that number two. It's kind of been a challenge for two weeks or two years for us to decide as fantasy and Alan uh, analysts, but um Regardless, uh, MBS is probably still going to be boom or bust, so he's tricky there. I would not uh, need to hold on to him if you have a better option or need somebody else there. So just keep an eye on Alan Lazard and MBS. Um, it is notable that Devontae Adams did leave this game for a second with looked like a kind of an ankle injury. He missed about a drive, and then he came back in, scored a touchdown, a great catch. Actually came down pretty awkwardly, but he bounced right back up, and he was fine. So I think he'll be just healthy, and uh, Rodgers is just fine. How do you feel about this backfield, Lucas? Um, Aaron Jones came back. He's got a nice workload the last couple of weeks, but you know they are not afraid to use Jamal Williams, and he's been getting plenty of work. And Robert Tunyon, again, kind of a boom-bust tight end for touchdowns as well. On the other side, Jonathan Taylor, the topic of conversation all week since Thursday uh, in fantasy circles. How are you feeling about this backfield? Naheem Hines, two blow-up games, but not consistent. Jordan Wilkins obviously taking a backseat to Jordan, uh, excuse me, Jonathan Taylor, but Jonathan Taylor looking good on some runs, but getting inside the two, three yard line, his specialty in college for Wisconsin, not able to punch it in, in the NFL. And that's really you know, making them kind of lean on Naheem Hines on third down and giving the dump offs and taking those touchdowns away. So what are you doing personally with Jamal or <laughs> Jamal, sorry, Jonathan Taylor and then wide receivers wise, Michael Pittman has uh, finally, I think, asserted himself as the number one. I'm not interested in any other options there and uh, tight end as well. So Phillip Rivers may be in a super flex if you need, but the Packers have been pretty good against uh, opposing quarterbacks. So a lot of questions for the Colts. Uh, for the Packers, it'll be uh, start your studs, correct? Yeah, I think pick up Lazard. That's one thing I think people won't people might um, think to pick him up just because they may, maybe saw the IR news. But if he's not – anybody's team I think he'd be one to pick up I don't think you can play him this week or anything obviously but he he looked good the the one or one and a half games that he did play and he looked good at the end of the year last year so I think he's one to pick up um just for a stash maybe for a playoff run here yeah the running backs for the Colts I the Packers defense loves to give up rushing yards like like James Robinson had 23 rushing attempts last week um so I don't know I I, I was getting a lot like we were we were live streaming or not we weren't live streaming we were on there was a video out on Notorious's channel our friend Notorious that they were asking what to even do with Jonathan Taylor like if he's on the waivers in a league where that the question was if you're on the waivers in a league where you pay like the commission you got dudes for free agents would you actually pick him up and like it was kind of like a pause moment because you're like wait would you actually want to spend money on Jonathan Taylor like intuit intuitively like you would yes you'd want to spend money on Jonathan Taylor the prospect but what's happened this year I don't even know I think I think this is the game he's going to have to bounce back right like I think this is against a brutal run defense game of the week at home this has got to be the week so I would say I'm just going to say the same thing I said last week was you decide because we mentioned the snap counts it was worse last week 
So I don't really want to say aside because he could ultimately go for 102 touchdowns and I'd look dumb, but I would say, I would say play Hines in your flex or a lot of deeper dynasty leagues. I have him as one of my two flexes is play him because they like to get him the ball no matter the situation. And we obviously saw last week if the game script breaks, right. And he has the hot hand and he's going to play the whole game, which could ultimately happen against the Packers this week. Notable. The Packers are giving up the second most fantasy points to opposing running backs behind only the lions. And again, they are top 10. The Packers are against quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. So for the Colts to have the best opportunity to be in this game, not get boat race and have a chance to actually win it, they're going to have to run the ball. And of course they have three very quality backs and I could see them absolutely just trying to, you know, keep Aaron Rodgers off the field and run out the clock. That's their best opportunity because the Packers have been good against quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends there. So it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm with you, man. I've, I've got Jonathan Taylor in a number of leagues. I started him last week, hoping for the best because he had a plus matchup as well. Blew up in my face, obviously. I think I might sit him this week in all leagues and then hope for that, like, you sit him, reverse psychology, he blows up on your bench. But instead of me getting upset that I didn't start him, it's more of like, okay, cool, now I've seen it happen versus starting him again, hitting my head against the wall, just hoping that it's going to happen and it doesn't and I continue to lose points, right? I mean, I had last week, I went back and forth, back and forth about T Higgins or Jonathan Taylor in a, uh, a non-PPR league. And I always go with the running back in a non-PPR league. But at this point, it's like T Higgins is arguably the best wide receiver on the Bengals and he's getting the work, he's getting the touchdowns. So that was a no-brainer after the fact. But it's hard to put yourself in that mindset of, are you really going to start it, you know, instead of who should be the bell cow running back on a great offense with a great offensive line um, in a non-plus matchup with bad weather with T Higgins last week. And of course, blow up my face. So I think I'm going to kind of reverse psychology, maybe bench uh, Jonathan Taylor for everybody else. And hopefully that <laughs> hopefully he'll come out and uh, do well uh, on my bench so that we can um, get that positive affirmation moving forward. But it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great NFL game. And again, if the Colts are going to have a chance, you're going to have to run the ball. So hopefully this is the Jonathan Taylor week. Quick question, Lucas. We are on the deadline in many weeks. Yahoo is this week standard. ESPN is next week, I believe, standard. Sleeper was last week standard unless people changed it. So we are coming up on many, many different trade deadlines and different formats and things. Um, are, you, <clears throat> are you actively seeking I know you just mentioned with what Notorious is bringing up. Are you actively seeking Jonathan Taylor with a great quote unquote on paper playoff schedule? Are you trying to, you know, get what you can for him right now, but he's a sell low or are you just holding and kind of waiting to see what happens because we know the potential is there. What are you personally trying to do with Jonathan Taylor over the next five weeks? Um, uh, I like, it's tough for me because like, I see this prospect that like, Everyone labeled bulletproof. Like I know I did because like it, it especially the landing spot. Well, he was, he spot. was, I mean, it wasn't wrong coming in. Just yeah. So like every part of like, the, like the process behind the fantasy process. And that's what we harp a lot. Like we like to teach the process. That's why we do these game previews. We don't, we don't tell you who to start sit or like who our rankings are every week. Cause we're, we're more about the, like the, the theory of fantasy based upon, like just giving you our rankings every week so like the theory behind it is yes you go by probably the best running back in college history last I would say yeah I'd say he's probably up there on behind the Colts offensive line with an easy schedule 
and like hope they give him more touches. But like, like we said, obviously we're in this position last week. I figured they would have tried to get him going more in that type of game script and they didn't, but then there's been weeks where they have got him in that game script. So like, I guess I don't even know like what to, cause like, yes, at a certain point you trade for him if he's cheap, I wouldn't be flipping any running backs for him. I wouldn't give anything less than, or I wouldn't give anything more than like a flex piece receiver, like a wide receiver three, maybe a wide receiver two, but like most wide receiver twos are like, I don't know. Like, I mean, like DJ Moore is a wide receiver two, right? I wouldn't trade DJ Moore for Jonathan Taylor. Like, so I think it's tough. It's just in a tough spot because of what happened primarily last week heading into that fantasy trade deadline, but just in general. So I'd say if you can get him for like a cheaper RB2, possibly but even then i'm still like i'd rather just take a different rb2 at this point um and just kind of roll with the team i have i agree and we cannot predict injuries we can't bank on injuries but if wilkins were to go down or um naheem hines were to go down they would have no choice but to overly feed jonathan taylor and i think you know i'm trying to stay positive in this because jonathan taylor is not a one hit wonder I don't think a lot of people because he's on the Colts a lot of people are comparing him to Trent Richardson and I just don't think that's fair first of all I think Trent Richardson got a bad deal coming out of college going to Cleveland anyway and he never had a chance I think it's closer to Melvin Gordon slash Derrick Henry and I'm not saying that Jonathan Taylor is automatically going to be both of those guys who for fantasy football over the last five years they've both been incredible I'm saying that like another Wisconsin back, Melvin uh, Gordon came out for the Chargers. He was the backup, essentially sharing a backfield, and he did not score a touchdown as a rookie. Came back after the fact, and now he's been the bell cow, blah, blah, blah. Last couple of years have been incredible. Derrick Henry was behind DeMarco Murray to start his career in Tennessee as well. Kind of, you know, got five, six, eight, 12 touches a game. Didn't really see that burst. And people started kind of being like, man, this guy was supposed to be a tank. What's the deal? He's goal line or bust. We start to see a lot of these bigger backs like Marshawn Lynch and whatnot, Derrick Henry, who are better as the game goes along. And I think an issue right now with the Colts is they have so many mouths to feed. They're all quality options. And Frank Reich just wants to win the games, which makes sense. So they're not giving Jonathan Taylor 10, 15, 28, you know, 25 touches per week. I think if they did that, A, his stats would accumulate. He'd be better for fantasy in general but I think that he would be much better as a running back as the game goes on, as he wears down defenses and they run. So I think it's going to happen as they move forward, but that's been the biggest issue is just look, he started last week. looked great. He got the first drive and he looked fantastic, ran over a dude. And then he gets a goal line touch, gets stuffed. And basically that was the end of his night. So short leash, unfortunately, but I do think that the future is bright for Jonathan Taylor. It's just been kind of a rough rookie season and I'm trying to hold on to him or acquire him for cheap just in case, but I do not want him as my mandatory RB2. I'll put it that way. If I'm stuck that way, I want to get rid of him. Otherwise, I want to hold on if he's my three or a flex. Okay, let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys coming off a bye against the Minnesota Vikings who have been on fire recently. Uh, they, they beat the, uh, the false, falsely good Bears on Monday Night Football this week. Dalvin Cook stuff for most of the game, but once uh, Hakeem Nix went out of the game, he returned back to form. He looked just fine. Adam Thielen gets two touchdowns. Uh, Justin Jefferson remains to be arguably the best rookie receiver now that CeeDee Lamb doesn't have Dak this year. Uh, T. Higgins obviously making a case as well, but Justin Jefferson's been absolutely phenomenal. Kirk Cousins, you know, he's a, he's a super flex option, I think, uh, against the Cowboys. 
And then on the other side of the ball, you know, what are we going to get out of Andy Dalton coming back after that brutal uh, hit and concussion after a couple of weeks? The Cowboys have been reeling, of course. Wide receivers are almost borderline unusable. Dalton Schultz, you might throw him in because he's a tight end. Zeke has been a plotter, but not having those big games. Um, no 100-yard uh, rushing yards games on the season, which has been frustrating, obviously, for Zeke managers. So, Again, the Vikings, I think, have established like Cook automatic, Thielen automatic, Justin Jefferson at this point automatic, Kirk Cousins a super flex play. For the Cowboys, though, honestly, I think Zeke is a top running back. You have to play him in a plus matchup with the Vikings, but I'm not sure that I'm confident with this wide receiving core, although the Vikings have been horrendous versus actual offenses. Um, Nick Foles can't do shit, and he got hurt anyway, so the Bears didn't do much. But I think the Cowboys could be fine if Andy Dalton is just good. Are you confident in the Cowboys this week, and are you confident in Andy Dalton in general uh, kind of reviving this offense here for the Cowboys? Um, I mean, I think he's going to revive it more than it was, but I don't know. I, I mean, I think, like, start Zeke you play Cooper as like a wide receiver three. I think you play lamb as a wide receiver three and that's it. I guess like, I don't know. It's that's about all I can like think to like even have expectations for. I think that like the, the, the thought of like Dalton being okay, we just have to adjust the mindset for the Cowboys is still there, but it's not looking good from a baseline standpoint. I think the Minnesota defense is a good defense to do it against. They get a kind of pressure up front, but it's more to just a sound defense in general. Nothing too flashy, which might be manageable in a dome for Dalton, I guess. But it's – I the Cowboys have the number three pick. I think that's definitely the way to um, describe their season, and I don't see them changing it anytime soon. Um, but on the Vikings side, uh, you roll with the – I guess the main three. And then if you want to add in cousins, which I think he's definitely startable, uh, you do that. Um, Cook had a terrible night last night uh, in terms of yards per carry, but he was still really good in fantasy. So I think it's, um, he had no, no room to worry against this Dallas defense and Jefferson might go for like 190 yards in this game. So I'm excited for the Minnesota side on this one. I agree. And Dalvin Cook did have a 35 yard run uh, that was called back um, on a Kyle Rudolph, I believe holding penalty. So it took him a while to break loose. But again, some of these running backs, man, you give them, you run after run after run after run. It only takes one and Dalvin Cook can make something special. So obviously Dalvin Cook, the number one running back in standard PPR or in standard leagues, Alvin Kamara, the number one in PPR leagues, but uh, Dalvin Cook's a, a no brainer. But I think a lot of people are kind of like, uh Oh, you know, is he, <laughs> is he turning mortal now? And he's got a rough schedule and all that. Look, if you're going to get rid of Dalvin cook for some reason, first of all, you're selling him at his lowest peak right now after that game. Secondly, uh, he's still a number, you know, a top five back worst case scenario, even with the tough playoff schedule. So you're going to have to get a haul for him. If you're looking to acquire Dalvin cook, now is the time to do it. Uh, he again had, his quote unquote worst game of the season, but his worst game of the season is still, you know, potentially a, uh, you know, uh, uh, RB two's best game of the season. So just be careful when you're doing some of these trades. And as Lucas mentioned, we'll have a, a trade episode coming up here for you um, shortly, but uh, just be careful when you're dealing with these juggernauts, man, you need to get what they're worth and you need to potentially even overspend to acquire them. Um, I think maybe a, uh, you know, a, a a lateral move, but maybe a positive move might be a Dalvin Cook for a Derrick Henry. 
both coming off of subpar games for their standards. But Derrick Henry has a better schedule, usually turns it on second half of the season. Dalvin Cook, absolutely phenomenal, but, you know, selling low. So would you go, you know, Lucas, I'll ask you, would you go straight up Derrick Henry for acquire Derrick Henry, get rid of Dalvin Cook straight up one for one? Or do you think that's just lateral with both those guys being top three to five running backs? I think um, I think I would take the Cook side personally. Like I get like because of the schedule, but like I feel like it's format it's format dependent too. I should always say that with Derek yeah, Henry. yeah, full point P- I think PPR. Obviously, it's Dalvin Cook, but if we do half PPR slash non PPR, it's more of a conversation. Yeah, I still think I would just take the like because we've seen these Dalvin Cook upside games multiple times this year, and like I know we've seen the Henry games, but. Like, I don't know. I just feel more comfortable playing Cook every week. I mean, he still – he had 30 carries last week, so obviously there's something to say that they still gave him the ball when they weren't being as efficient on the ground, whereas we see Derrick Henry, like, if they're in negative game script, completely not even be on the field um, some of these times. I think I would just lean Cook just due to the fact that he he is the focal point of the offense no matter the game script where Henry's is a little a little shaky. Um, and – and the, the the schedule lines up good, but I don't think the Titans defense is good enough to like create these super positive game scripts where I know Minnesota's kind of catching some steam right now. And I mean, like, like last night, we're recording this on Tuesday, like they controlled that whole game. There was no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they might not have looked good doing it, but they definitely had the possession the whole game and they just ran the ball, um, not down the throat because it was not efficient, but they just kept running the ball and moving the chain on them. And we have seen the last couple of seasons when Dalvin Cook had been out that Kirk Cousins was basically forced to throw the ball more than they want, you know, and air out the ball, if you will, in Minnesota. We came into the season saying, look, Dalvin Cook's healthy. If, you know, when he's healthy, he is the main, he is the main course. They want to feed him the ball first, second, third down. He's a true three down back. He's one of the few backs in the NFL that could be on the field every single snap if they wanted him to be. So I I agree there in um, non-PPR, I might put a slight edge on Derrick Henry for the playoffs just because of that schedule and because of what he usually does in the second half of the season. But in half PPR and full PPR, you got to lean Dalvin Cook, of course. Okay, man, we got two games left, Sunday night football and Monday night football. Let's get into the Chiefs and the Raiders. The Chiefs coming off of a bye. The Raiders at six and three. Chiefs at at eight and one. The Raiders, the only Chiefs lost this season was to the Raiders a few weeks ago. I do not think they overlook them this time, even on the road. I think the Chiefs come out in in full form in the spotlight. Mahomes loves the prime time. I think the Chiefs roll them, to be honest with you. But on the Chiefs' side, you start your studs, of course. My only question is, did Le'Veon Bell have any fantasy value at this point, Lucas? Are you comfortable in starting CEH because Lev is uh, there? Otherwise, Kelsey, Mahomes, um, and Hill are automatics. And then on the other side, Josh Jacobs getting plenty of work, but Devontae Berker scored two touchdowns last week. Darren Waller's an automatic. Are you comfortable with any of these wide receivers out there in Las Vegas? So for the Chiefs, you start your studs, but are you interested at all in Le'Veon Bell, and are you concerned about CEH with him there? And then on the Las Vegas side, um, is there anybody outside of Jacobs and Waller that you're interested in? Yeah, I think on the Chiefs side, um, you play your three, and then I think I'm going to throw CEH in there. He's still the way better running back on a per-touch basis um, to them, clearly, because he's getting the more touches. So I wouldn't start Bell. I would start CEH. 
he's just a wide receiver two at this point. Um, or wide receiver two, a running back two at this point, I think, with limited upside just because, like, he's not a main focal point, but you still got to start him. Uh, I'm expecting big games out of Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to come back and just uh, not make themselves look dumb yet again, not yet again, again against this Raiders Raiders team. On the other side, like, I still don't – I don't know. I, I think last week would have been a good week expecting the Broncos – return some points back on the Raiders to like see this wide receiver tree breakout because this is the first time that Algalore Edwards and Ruggs have all been healthy and it obviously clearly they just ran the ball all over the Broncos so we didn't really get to see I I can't imagine they're up by more than two scores on the Chiefs um, so meaning that well we should be able to see this sort of breakdown of the receiving core for Derek Carr kind of play out um, that being said I think I don't, I don't think I would start any of them maybe Ruggs just because they might have to just, I mean, like last time, they just kind of had to attack the Chiefs pretty deep and it worked out on one of the deep balls to rugs. But I think I would just wait a week to kind of see how it plays out. Plays out, And uh, I mean, we're in this weird tight end year, even worse than last year, where like Mark Andrews and Darren Waller are kind of like scary starts. Um, so you got to start them, but don't expect a whole lot until we see more from them. Last time these two teams played was week five in Kansas City. Derek Carr had a season-high 347 passing yards. He had three touchdowns, and he had his highest fantasy performance at QB9 on the week. Are you comfortable with Derek Carr in round two at home as a super flex or even a single quarter, uh, quarterback league if you need him for bye weeks? I think it I think it'd just be a super flex league, um, unless, like, obviously, bye weeks. You gotta, like, I would rank him over, like – um uh, yeah I think he's in the Kirk Cousins range I think he, which is like a tier above like these like PJ Walker's ripen guys which like obviously they can have some upside but yeah and no, I think he's a super flex guy um with some upside but still like they're just looking to run the ball and control the tempo and I think they made that known last week let me throw a couple of names at you uh, just to throw it out there. Cause I have been getting a couple DMS about Derek Carr because this offense is kind of a poor man's fun and gun. And we saw what they did with the chiefs last week. So some people are stuck um, and they need to, to have some quarterback play this week. So let me throw some names at you, Lucas. Tell me if you'd start this player or Derek Carr in uh, let's call it a super flex. Cause I think in single quarterbacks, you could find better options, but a super flex leagues. Would you rather let's go with uh, Jared Goff at Tampa Bay. I think I would go – oh, gosh. That's pretty tough. I think I would go Goff just because they're going to – we've seen the proven throwing ability um, on a fantasy level. And Teddy Bridgewater had three touchdowns against him last week, and uh, we know that Goff's offense is much more equipped uh, to stay with, with uh, Brady and the boys. Uh, Carson Wentz at Cleveland. I think you got to go Wentz still. Joe Burrow at Washington. Burrow. Cam Newton at Houston. Yeah, go Cam. New England's looking a lot better. A couple more here. Ryan Tannehill at Baltimore. Yeah, you got to go Tannehill still, I think. They're pretty Tua. similar, though, I think. Tua at Denver. Yeah, I think that that's that was that was the cutoff I was looking for. I think you would go him over Tua. And then I think that starts, like, the Cousins sort of, like, um, downfall after that with, like, Ripon and all those guys. All right, and – we are going to break down this game tomorrow with Bobby in the earlier slate. Cause again, we had to switch things around this week, but with Drew Brees out with multiple fractured ribs, Jameis Winston taking over in new Orleans versus Atlanta, who is the worst against opposing quarterbacks for fantasy purposes. 
and the second worst against wide receivers, would you take Jameis Winston or Derek Carr? Oh, I'd go Winston. Winston's my, if from remember from last year, Winston's my fantasy guy. And I think I'm hoping yep. he, he can regenerate Michael Thomas because last year I pivoted away from Thomas to take Adams. This year I pivoted away from Adam, Adams to take Thomas. So I'm really needing this to even myself, <laughs> even back out. And I mean, you guys will probably talk about it more. I'm scared that he's going to name Taysom Hill the starter and like actually mean it. That's where like, yeah. No way. I, I mean, like, I'm just scared like that, like that's going to be a thing because they think, because they think it works. It doesn't work. Just because you catch a touch on the end zone, like three times in a career, like the whole wildcat, is it wildcat or is it just the backup quarterback coming in? Like, I don't even know they like, don't, what you want to call it, but it doesn't work. But, like, yeah. But with, but with Taysom Hill, like they don't, um, they don't use him as a quarterback. Like they don't, no, it, he is a quarterback, but they don't use him as a quarterback. So, and Jameis came in when Breeze went out. They didn't use uh, Taysom Hill. He was still in that wildcat. And basically he runs the ball like 96% of the time or whatever when he's in there. They know he's going to run. He just has a run pass. So if he gets you know blocked right away, he flips it out to Kamara or something. you know. But I think Jameis will be the main – now, with Jameis taking over, it's not that Taysom Hill is going to fade away because he is he's more a part of that offense, arguably, than like Latavius Murray is you know, in the running game yeah. and stuff. So like, they're still going to use them, but I think like the quarterback quarterback who's going to distribute the ball is Jameis Winston. And then of course they will just have those Taysom Hill packages because that's part of their offense. But I can't see Taysom Hill being the de facto quarterback. That would, that would shock me to be honest. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know necessarily if they're going to name him the starter, but like, I'm scared to like play Winston and then like see Taysom Hill take like sure. 35% of the quarterback snaps or something. Sure. It could, it could absolutely happen. I'm with you. All right, man. Last game of the slate here, Monday night football, the LA Rams at six and three tied up in first place in that incredible NFC West sands, the 49ers, unfortunately, but the Seahawks Cardinals and Rams all at six and three in the NFC West, all three, a playoff team currently against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pacing the NFC there with Brady and the boys at seven and three. So for the Rams, look, you know, our boy Josh Reynolds has really emerged. I um, put him in as, as one of my top waiver wire pickups. If you haven't done it yet, Josh Reynolds is absolutely a pickup um, for the Rams. And I actually broke down the wide receiver breakup over the last three games. I want to read this off really quickly. Cooper cup has the last three games. Cooper cup has 33 targets, 22, 203 and no touchdowns for about 44 PPR fantasy points. Robert Woods has, 19 targets for 15 and 140 and one through the air and six carries 35 yards and a rushing touchdown. We know he does that for 42 and a half PPR points. Josh Reynolds has 27 targets for 16, 190 and one for 41 fantasy points. So Cooper cup, Robert Woods and Josh Reynolds have 44, 42 and a half and 41 PPR fantasy points over the last three games. Each one of them is pretty much equal and Josh Reynolds is free on your waiver wires. So go pick them up while you still can. If he is available. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, of course, are auto starts, but they do struggle against tough secondaries. And this uh, Bucks secondary is the truth. The running backs, Cam Akers led the backfield in touches and carries, but we saw Darrell Henderson and Malcolm Brown actually get the touchdowns. So what are you doing in this backfield, Lucas? Do you trust Jared Goff, who was everybody's start of the week, mine included last week against Seattle and rightfully so. And he did well over 300 yards, but they ran the ball in for touchdowns versus him throwing. He did not have a score. Do you think 
he will be able to keep it up on the road across the country with Tom Brady, who we know is going to put up points on the other side with Brady, your boy Gronk, the number one tight end on the week last week. Thank you very much. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Ronald Jones over 170 yards with a 98 yard touchdown, Leonard Fournette. I think you can start the entire offense if you need to for the Buccaneers, but let's pump the brakes a little bit with this secondary for the Rams and that front with Aaron Donald. They are very stout against the run. They're very stout against the pass. I think this is going to be a a lower scoring game, I think, than people expect um, with these two high powered offenses, but two really good defenses. So question mark in the backfield for the Rams. Do you trust Jared Goff? And then on the Buccaneers side, are you going to continue to roll out Rojo? And do you have a favorite in this receiving core for the Buccaneers? Yeah, I think the Rams side, um, you play Goff, Cup, Woods. I think Reynolds is startable now, just like you said. Um, Reynolds is the downfield threat for this offense. That's why he was very attractable for the Seattle matchup. We're coming into this matchup. The Bucks aren't necessarily like targeted super downfield. So like Cup and Woods will be used a little more. But like that being said, eventually you still have to throw the ball downfield. So I think he's like a low end flex start um, this week. Um, tight end, still a coin flip to me. I, I still, I have to start Everett in a couple of dynasty leagues. He's still kind of getting targets and being looked at pretty efficiently. So if, you, if you're in a, a pinch for tight end, might be there. The running backs, it looked like it. It looked to me like Brown was like the most important running back. And by that, I mean, like when they were in the red zone, Brown was in. When they were pass blocking, Brown was in. Um, So I don't, it's just been so weird. Because like Henderson is this one that like gets projected the most every week. But then there's weeks where like he barely even sees the ball, vice versa for Brown. And then Akers might be projected more here and there. So I would say stick with Henderson even though the Brown like looked more beneficial or getting the more beneficial touches. Um, but even then you're still risking an RB2 with Henderson. So this is kind of a risky play, but like I said, the uh, running back environment may not, like you might have to play these guys. So I coin flip, but I think Henderson's probably the lean on that. On the Bucks side, yeah, you're starting everyone but Fournette. I think I get, the, I get that Rojo fumbled, but I think he made his statement on the 98 yard rush so that like I don't think I like I think nothing changed between the split between Fournette and these guys um nothing changed between like the split the fantasy value so like I don't know necessarily like you're gonna start Fournette now because I hope you didn't before but I think Rojo like made a statement to Arians that like this is my backfield like he's trying to make that point um so I think we'll kind of see sort of how it goes from here um, but I think you don't want to start Fournette. I think Rojo's back into kind of his value of the, the high-end RB2, low-end RB1. I agree. And just a quick note on Antonio Brown. The saga continues. The NFL is investigating a potential uh, uh, kind of run-in with a um, security guard where he lives back in October. Apparently, he, like, threw a bicycle at the guy, um, one of his tantrums, whatever. Basically, it came out today that that is – somewhat under investigation Antonio Brown still playing as of now served his previous suspension could have maybe another suspension I'm not saying he will I'm just saying that it could come up so uh, I'll ask you football terms and with the drama on the side I know Lucas you're not a huge AB fan because of the headache but if you happen to have him on your roster is he somebody that you're look in two games we've seen the targets go up we know that he and Brady have a connection we know that he has game-breaking ability we haven't seen it yet but it it is there. 
are you wanting to keep that on your team or are you wanting to cut bait for another usable piece just in case shit hits the fan with AB? Um, I guess like, I don't know. Like I think, um, cause he's probably you, right now, he's probably a wide receiver three or a flex at best Yeah, because he came on late. People had to wait all season. He was activated. So he shouldn't be other than bi-week fill-ins. He should not be, your 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 starting wide receiver, your second wide receiver, even with so many options, so he's probably cuttable. I'm just bringing it up because you know there could be that elephant in the room here, and I don't know that it will be, but I just got a kind of a gut feeling right now. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think you could pick up someone as precautionary, but I think you roll with roll with him the same way you've been rolling with him lately. I think is the way to say it. I think like if it were to happen, like. Monday or like soon I think there'd be a little more information than just like a couple tweets or news here and there to where like it actually be a thing it could definitely be a thing but I think it's still kind of in the building stages um, but I definitely be prepared to like um, maybe pivot to Reynolds maybe pick up Reynolds in this case if it happens this week you could pivot to Reynolds because um, they're kind of similar roles um, sort of like the deep sort of threat on these offenses but yeah I think just hold it I mean you should have been holding with caution anyways with picking up AB um so that being said, like, I don't think anything's changed. Just like the Fournette thing, I don't think anything's changed to, like, not proceed with caution going forward. Love it. All right, man. That's going to wrap it up for our afternoon games, Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football, and the later slate on Sunday. Lucas, before we get out of here, man, let's get through our picks quickly. You uh, are still up in the lead, but closing in on you just a little bit is Bobby Lamarco, who had a nice week last week. He is just one game behind you now. You are a 74 and 42 overall. He's 73 and 43. I'm 71 and 45. And Dewey's pulling up the rear at 66 and 50. So, Lucas, let's get through your games here. I'm going to give you two teams. You give me the winner. Let's get through it. It's Thursday Night Football, Arizona at Seattle. Who you got? I'm going to go to Seattle. I, I don't know. I, I can't see Russ having three bad games in a row, so I'm going to take Seattle. I can't either, but Arizona is cooking. I'm going to go with another upset, and I'm going to ride the Cardinals. Uh, just kind of a gut feeling, but Kyler Murray, as incredible as Russell Wilson is, Kyler Murray is almost incredible currently, and that defense is tough if they can get away from Jamal uh, Adams. So I'm actually going to take Arizona in this one and, and potentially an upset, but for the uh, NFC West lead. All right, let's go to the afternoon games here. Miami Dolphins at your Denver Broncos. Taking the Broncos, but if you if – I, if I... I had to put money on it or something. They're probably not going to win this game. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Dolphins. They've been playing very well. Uh, that Broncos defense is susceptible. Two is doing well and not turning the ball over. And that defense for the uh, Dolphins, I think, is going to be too much for Brett Rippon. All right, New York football Jets and the L.A. Chargers. I, I think and I hope the Chargers can get sort of a stomp, stomp win here. Just kind of put the hammer down, let Herbert kind of have one of his sort of show off, you know, like I, I won by two plus scores um, to give him some confidence in this game. I agree. Uh, we saw Mahomes kind of snap his fingers and go off for five touchdowns. Herbert is certainly not Mahomes as of now, at least, but I think with this offense and the way they play, he could put up five touchdowns as well. I hope that happens for a statement day as well. So I'm going to go with the Chargers big in this one. Green Bay at Indianapolis. I'm going to go Indianapolis here. I think this is like the Green Bay Tampa Bay game a couple of weeks ago where Green Bay kind of plays with their competition, which is a good thing sometimes, but it's a bad thing when you got to go against a tough defense, which 
Uh, we were a little, I was a little questionable on the Colts defense until last week when they basically stomped um, the Titans. So I'm going to go the Colts in this matchup. You're thinking that run game is going to be good enough uh, for the Colts to beat up on the Packers because that's really the only way that they're going to be able to beat them according to the stats, at least that I read off earlier. I just think with Tay Adams healthy, Aaron Jones getting back for his third game off the injury, uh, their defense playing okay everywhere else other than the run. Um, I think they're going to be just fine at getting Lazard back as well. So unless Jonathan Taylor goes off, which I'm hoping for, I'll take the Packers in this one, even on the road. Dallas Cowboys, Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to go the Vikings, but I could see the Vikings kind of having a play down game here for sure, though. Oof, I hope they don't. This one's at home. I think they're going to be able to get back to basics, get Cook rolling, get the run game moving. Kirk Cousins got the Monday night football monkey off his back last week. They played really well. Um, even if Andy Dalton comes out, guns ablazing against a bad Vikings defense, the Dallas defense is just as bad. And I think the offense overall is better in Minnesota right now. So I will take the Vikings at home. Kansas City Chiefs against their bitter rival, Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I think the Chiefs stomp them. Mahomes hasn't played a primetime game since we opening night, um, unless I messed up the uh, the stat line on that one. But I think he'll come back and uh, kind of stomp John Gruden here. Off the bye week, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, all the weapons, getting revenge against the only team that beat them this year. I think uh, this is the Chiefs by at least two touchdowns. I agree. Rams, Buccaneers, Monday Night Football. I'm going to go the Bucks here, but I, I don't even want to say like I'm still not sold on this. I don't know. The whole like Bucks thing is just weird because they still don't even look that good. Brady looks like he can't hit a deep ball to save his life, so – I'm going to go with them, but I could see the Rams pulling this one out too. Rob Gronkowski over under 28 fantasy points this week. Well, I did I did watch one play of this game where um, he had like a 40-yard catch and he looked like he needed the stretcher afterwards, that's for sure. Well, that's five points in PPR, so you're you're almost That's like the time in like four on the week right there. <laughs> exactly. All right, man, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay as well. Uh, I just think the defense, both these teams have really, I think, underrated defenses right now, but the defense matched with Brady at home on primetime. I just think it's going to be too much, although I do think it's going to be a lower scoring game. So I'll take the over or take the under as far as the over under goes, but I think it's going to be uh, the Buccaneers overall. I just, uh, I think that the Bucs are going to be too much for the Rams. Um, And if Goff can't throw touchdowns against the Seahawks, I don't think he's going to be doing much against the uh, Buccaneers. All right, man, that wraps up the later game slate here for week 11. Lucas, always a pleasure to have you on. Make sure you tune in tomorrow for Bobby LaMarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. Chris Benavides from the Commission FFP coming in on Friday as well for the TCK recap of week 10, preview of week 11. Make sure you go give us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to your podcast. Check us out on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Best of luck in week 11. Lucas, for Lucas Kaser, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.